Bailey. Hi, I'm Charles. And you're listening to Hold Me, I'm Scared. And welcome back to Hold Me, I'm Scared, where once a week we ow, pick out something spooky um, or scary, and then we explore it and talk about it. Why? We don't know. We enjoy it. Um, this week... We are talking about conspiracy theories. Now, listen, I am I am not proud to say and proud to say that I have fallen into quite a few conspiracy theories in my life. So I feel like if there were a bingo card, I'm winning. How about you? Yeah, I've definitely been down like a, a YouTube hole every once in a while. We've all been down a hole. I my I think some of my favorites are like that famous people are replacements. Like that Avril Lavigne is dead oh, and girl. she's like replaced by someone. That's like those are my favorites. That is definitely one of my favorites. Um, oh, let me ask you this. No, because no, I have to. Um, what are you scared of today? Um. Ooh. It's been a scary week. Has it? Yeah. <laughs> Why did I answer that for you? <laughs> do, I, do you even need me on the podcast anymore? You just, <laughs> <laughs> no. you just do it for both of us. Um, well, I also may ask you to edit this out, but I, I also got diagnosed with bipolar disorder this week. So that's kind Which of scary. Which is fun in some cases. I'll probably just pick which fear I want you to talk about. <laughs> then I'll have you edit out the other one. Okay. Uh, but, yes, that is scary. Which you never answered that question. What? In my text. I said, like, how do you feel about getting that diagnosis? And you never responded. Yeah, I still don't know, I think is why. That's fair. I... It's so I've been in therapy like most of my life. Um, I think everyone should go to therapy. Uh, this is the first diagnosis that I've ever felt like shame with. Why? I think it's just like bipolar has like such stigma surrounding it. Like, so my other diagnosis, which I've talked about on the podcast before, is I have complex PTSD. And I feel like that is, like, a very sympathetic illness. <laughs> like, people have a, like, people have a lot of, oh, like, grace. sympathy towards something that's, like, something yeah, you can control out of being, like, traumatized well, like, once as opposed yeah, to, like, exactly. people a manic think, depressive mood. Well, also people think of, like, PTSD as, like, you know, something that, like, you get for being, like, heroic. It's, like, because it's often, like, associated with, like, veterans or... Which I have my own feelings about the military industrial complex, but um, or like you know, like it, PTSD means you're a survivor. Bipolar means you're sick. Yeah, but I mean, like in, soci- in society, I'm not saying that's like the truth. I'm just saying like that is the stigma that yeah is like carried with it, and then well, also, and it's always like bipolar always has a stigma behind it of like somebody who's like going around their life like a nor like an everyday person and then suddenly being like really angry or dramatic or like violent like right. that's what people think bipolar is 
Which is so weird because bipolar really doesn't have anything to do with, like, anger or aggression. No, it doesn't. Like, the symptoms of bipolar disorder don't really even include, like, angry or aggressive behavior. It doesn't, because it also goes by the other, the other name, which I don't think they call it anymore, manic depressive. Yeah, or, so... Or man- manic depression? Depression. So, uh, w- bipolar 1, which is, like, the m- more acute bipolar, which is what I've been diagnosed with uh but we have to like monitor my symptoms and my like mood cycles more before we see like what actually is going yeah on, before yeah. we have like a really clear idea of the severity uh because bipolar 2 is like kind of like a less acute version um but i do meet the dsm requirements the which is like the DSM is like the book that therapists use to diagnose you with with any number of things, um, and you only have to have one manic episode that lasts a week or more yeah. to be diagnosed with bipolar one, um, and so I, a lot of people think that it has to do with like anger or aggression or anything, but it's literally just like if you have one manic episode that lasts a week or more in your life, you meet the DSM requirements to be diagnosed. That's what I'm feeling just, like, scared about, which is weird because whenever I know people that have also been diagnosed with bipolar, and whenever I hear about someone else getting diagnosed, like, it doesn't... Um, it doesn't like, change anything for you? No, it doesn't change But you're change afraid it's going to, like, change other people's view of you? Yeah. And also because, like, I never like thought of myself as someone who would ever get diagnosed with that because so even my mania manifests itself in a very like quote-unquote high functioning way which that language is problematic because high functioning doesn't necessarily mean like you're doing good or like it just means like you are um more able to adapt to like society's ideas of like normalcy um not even that those I- ideals are correct, uh, but just that you you don't, like, present... Uh, your symptoms don't present in a way that's, like... It just means that, like, the way that your symptoms present is a way that can be... That can go undetected it, yeah. by, by people who are neuro- neurotypical. And so my mania presents in ways that I would often get, like, applauded for. Like, when I'm manic, I'm very productive. I'm very focused um like mania often comes with like irresponsible choices with money but like as opposed to spending a bunch of money recklessly i put like hyper focus on like in savings yeah um so it's just something that like i never like thought of myself as like having and like nobody that i know like really suspected me of being bipolar (laughs) um but it's also like it can man it can also show up in your late 20s so i could have like not had um diagnosable symptoms until now so then i'm worried that not only will it change people's view of me but that i'll change what do you mean that you'll change? That, like, I have symptoms that... I have new symptoms. I have symptoms that I've never presented before. 
and now that they're showing up, I'm worried that like I'll be that I'll that I'll continue to get new symptoms and I'll be different. It's like just how like schizophrenia can show up in your late twenties and you can never have had a hallucination before. Um this the same thing can happen with bipolar. So I could have lived my life to this point like not having any symptoms of it. And then it can like show up. And I don't want to change. <laughs> I mean, I want to change some things. Like, I want to have an eight-pack and, like, you know, I want to get, like, a boob job. But, I don't, but like, I don't, I don't want my psychology. I just, I just figured out how to work with the psychology that I've had. So, I, like, I'm scared of having to work with, like, a, a whole new fun bag of fuck. Yeah. I mean, that's understandable, but I, I don't know. I, it's, do you feel like it's like going to change who you are like at the core? Is that what you're worried of? Or you're just worried you're going to have to deal with different things that like you didn't have to. And now it's like a whole new, like a hard new thing to deal with. Yeah. You haven't had to deal with before. As you would feel if you suddenly started hallucinating. Right. It's like a new set of like psychological symptoms that have never manifested before that are I have showed up um in if you're a casting director my early teens and if you're a, a friend of mine my late twenties so it's I just like I don't I don't want I don't want to do anything I don't want to deal with something new <laughs> um yeah so it's just like it's it's just in new things are scary, change is scary, and then to, like, have something emotional or, like, psychological change in you, kind of, and show up all of a sudden is scary. Yeah. But do you, I mean, do you think it's been present longer before this? Or just, or we're just noticing it now? No. I mean, I I think that I've had cyclical moods before, but I have never had a diagnosable manic episode until recently. Mm. Ever. It's it's new. <laughs> so, um that's cool. <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah, well, that question hasn't got that deep before. What about you? What are you afraid of today? My sleep schedule has been real weird, which always triggers in my mind, like, oh, you must be, like, in a bad mental place. And I don't know if that's true why does mine going in the same direction um i i don't know if that's true or if i just had a week of like bad sleep patterns which can happen like it's a very normal thing to lose control of your sleep but yeah oftentimes it's linked to like your mental health state and i feel fine i think um can talk about that one in therapy and this is where we would insert the better help ad if we had one um 
I found my therapist on BetterHelp, so if you want to get diagnosed with a new psychological disorder, you can. I found mine through psychology today, so get to happen. We are open to all mental health sponsors. You just DM us, right? Contact us by email. Hop on the Zoom call. HMISpod at gmail.com and Hold Me I'm Scared on Facebook and HMIS pod on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm worried about my sleep schedule because it was, yeah, the time that we recorded the last podcast was a day that I had fallen asleep at 6 p.m. the previous day, stayed or woke up at 1230 and then was awake that entire day until about 10 o'clock the next <clears throat> night. And then the next day I got like six hours of sleep. The next day, same thing, fell asleep early, woke up at like 12, stayed up till 3, watched one and a half movies, and went back to sleep. And then the next day, I don't remember what happened the next day, but then another day, I fell asleep early, woke up at 12, and then stayed up the entire time to do something else. And, oh, I edited my YouTube video. Yeah, I just think your schedule in general is, like, fucked. But what's Not weird even, is like, like nothing is like change. I just I keep getting so tired. I don't know what's happening to me. Well, you you'll go like twenty four hours without sleeping, so that will make one tired. Well, yeah, but I mean, like I should have like evened that out by now over the weekend, as to where I slept a lot. I don't think it works like that. I feel like it should, even if it doesn't. I want to know. What is one conspiracy... Well, what, just one question. Like, what's one conspiracy theory that you still might believe in? I mean, at any given time, someone could tell me that our government did something evil and I would believe them. Yeah. I sometimes think that the moon landing was fake. But let me explain. I think we went to the moon. And, like, most days I believe that, like, the footage that we saw was, like, the real footage. Right? Most days. But then sometimes, like, late at night when I'm on a YouTube poll, I think that, like, we went to the moon, but, like, some we, like, couldn't get footage for whatever reason, so they recreated it. Mm. So, like, the footage is fake, but, like, it did happen. Like, how reality TV works, where, like, a moment happens, they're like, oh, go back and, like, do that again. Right. So you can get it on camera. Also, like, I think Katy Perry might be John Benet Ramsey, but... Who doesn't? I mean... She is. And good for her. You know, she's very successful. Uh, well, I have some facts and figures about what Americans believe uh, when it comes to conspiracy theories. Would you like to hear them? Yes. So my sources were an article from Forbes called How Many Americans Believe in Conspiracy Theories by Rainier Zeidelman. Great name. That's a name. And a Slate article um, called Why People Believe Conspiracies by John Ehrenreich. <clears throat> By John so, Benet Rams. <laughs> so, um, in according to Forbes, in 2020, um, researchers at Germany's Allensbach Institute surveyed 1,000 representative citizens from the United States, Great Britain, France, and Germany uh, in June. So, and this is in June of last year, um, and it was like 1,000 representatives from each country, and almost a third of Americans. Uh, 32% say, like, with, without a doubt, most conspiracy theorists are quote-unquote crackpots. But 
as many as 22% of Americans believe that uh, when it comes to conspiracy theories, there is more to them than the official account of the events. So, uh, like, so about a third of Americans think that conspiracy theories are like, like crazy, crazy town. But about 22% think like, okay, maybe like not every conspiracy theory is like true. But I do think that when it comes to conspiracy theories, like the truth is somewhere in the middle. Like there's more to them than the official mm. report, which I can kind of get behind. I that. feel like that's where I fall. When it comes to coronavirus, one in four Americans, which this is like, that's a pretty high number, believes that the mainstream media were not telling the truth about corona and uh, instead preferred to obtain their information from independent news sources. So, which is like, that's like a big number, but I guess it's not surprising because there's like so much yeah conspiracy bullshit bullshit surrounding coronavirus. So, and then, so Slate, the Slate article talked about like what factors play into making someone um making someone a person who would believe in conspiracies and so according to slate people with low levels of education are more likely than more educated people to believe in conspiracy theories but conspiracy theories still do exist among the well-educated um there have been multiple studies uh that have found that conservatives are more likely to believe in conspiracy theories than liberals. Um, but that when it comes to like uh, the political spectrum, people at either side, either extreme, are more likely than the moderates um, of either side. So like uh, like so like extreme leftists and extreme um, conservatives are more likely to believe in conspiracy theories than like moderate con- uh, conservatives and moderate Democrats. Why did I expect you to say rightists? <laughs> Left. Uh, yeah, extreme leftists and extreme rightists. Um, my brain almost did do that to me. But I dodged it. I was um, like, why isn't she saying rightists? Which, isn't like, that the right I, word? I'm like pretty far left. I think like global standards, I'm probably just like normal left. But by American standards, I'm like... Yes, by American charts. standards, we left, <laughs> we jumped off the left. Yeah, but I'm, like, in a, on a global scale, I think we're, like, pretty average left. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, but they say, like, these factors, like, while there is, like, some, like, correlative evidence uh, that, like, people who are less educated or people who are more conservative are more likely to believe in conspiracy theories, it's really personality traits that are the strongest indicators of whether or not someone will believe in a conspiracy theory. Um, so people who believe in conspiracy theories usually have uh, high levels of anxiety, um, also <laughs> high uh, levels of external sources of stress. Um, they have a high need for control over their environment, a high need for certainty, and a low tolerance for ambiguity. <laughs> I, I know, feel like I'm checking off every single one of those boxes. <laughs> yeah, we're apparently very, um, we're in the danger zone for when it comes to believing in conspiracy theories. I think I, I don't know, as I get older, the higher my tolerance for ambiguity is, because the older I get, the more I realize that nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess with the last one, I mean, historically, I'm kind of, I'm usually okay with like, okay, 
Like, whatever. I guess we'll just figure it out. Like, Yeah, you don't always need to be certain. No, um, I don't. Uh, okay, and then, so conspiracy theory believers are also usually suspicious and untrusting. Makes sense. They see others as plotting against them. They struggle with anger, resentment, and other hostile feelings, and they also struggle with fear. They tend to have lower self-esteem than people who do not believe in conspiracy theories, and they have a high need for external validation to maintain their self-esteem. It was a lot deeper than you'd expect. (laughs) I know, right? Why am I thinking of, like, certain people? (laughs) (laughs) Um, They often have a strong desire to feel unique or special, and they have an exaggerated need to be in, like, an exclusive in-group. So, like, in, in like, a clique or an exclusive club or something like that. Um, Which, like, makes sense because, like, conspiracy theorists think, like, they're part of, like, a small group that, like, really knows the truth and, like, has inside knowledge. So that makes sense. Um... And so belief in conspiracy theories often goes hand in hand with the belief in paranormal phenomena, skepticism of scientific knowledge, and weakness in analytical thinking. Um, <laughs> Feels like a read. I was like, that. yeah, that sounds mean. That's a quote from Slate. Don't come for me. Um, proneness to belief in conspiracy theories uh, is also associated with religiosity. So people who are more religious in their worldview... Uh, tend to be more vulnerable to believing in conspiracy theories which tracks <laughs> um now all of these traits are not universal or exclusive uh when it comes to conspiracy theorists but th- this like cocktail of of personality traits does combine to create a particularly vulnerable person when it comes to believing in conspiracy theories which i thought was interesting I think everyone has, like, at least, like, a couple of these traits, right? Oh, for sure. (laughs) Um, But I guess if you're, like, an ultra-religious, you know... Low self-esteem person. paranoid, low self-esteem, like, uneducated conservative, you might be a conspiracy theorist. Not necessarily, but you should should look out, because... You're, you're in, like, the, the danger You're zone. next. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just thought that was really fascinating that they've, like, identified... I mean, I guess, like, it all makes sense. It's not, like, surprising. But I had never thought of it, of there being, like, a specific set of personality traits that kind of make yeah, the perfect storm. I didn't really either until you started reading it. And then, like, all the conspiracy theories that I've, like, looked at and watched, like, over my like young teenage years till now i'm like yeah that tracks (laughs) i'd also be interested to see like um like how much like racism or like bigotry in general plays into uh like susceptibility to conspiracy theories because i feel like a lot of conspiracy theories are born of like xenophobia you know racism and just like fear of the other in general Yeah. So, I'd be interested to know more about that, for sure. But yeah, uh, those were my my facts and figures. Those were really good facts and figures. Oh, thank you so much. Shout out to Slate and Forbes Thanks, for the Slate. articles. Thanks, Forbes. Thanks, Forbes. And also, I do think it's fascinating that 
people with on like a last thought I think it's really interesting that people with low self-esteem are more susceptible because to me there is something like very like grandiose about saying like everyone or like the vast majority of people are wrong about this and I know the truth yeah but at the same time like that gives you that like inflated sense of self that you don't have you know what Mm -hmm. I mean Mm -hmm. so it's like kind of like a desperate like grab at raising that low self-esteem giving you purpose yeah because if nothing else makes makes you feel special what 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 would be better than hidden knowledge of the globe that only you and a small like portion of people have you're special now yeah i believe that you are first this week i am first not only in this podcast but also in life um i have a (laughs) rather question um so would you rather be behind the scenes and running like your country but never have like the recognition for it and like you're doing like good things in the world like you're you're keeping everybody afloat but nobody has a clue who you are or would you rather people know who you are but you're constantly like making like they think you're constantly making bad mistakes but really you're just trying to like save everybody's butt i would rather be doing like all of the right things but nobody know that it's me I'm, like, embarrassed so easily. I think even if I... Like, if I were to find the cure for cancer, I would be so embarrassed. What if in the end they were like, oh, it was you all along. Thank you. And then they threw you, like, a grand parade every year until the last couple years that you died. What about then? I'd hate that. Like, that vindication of, like, I was right. Because that's also really good. I I would like a quiet person (laughs) to address me on behalf of everyone. I wouldn't want a parade. I would like one soft-spoken individual to present me with like a single flower and be like, we, we know. Thanks. And then I would like for it to never be addressed again. You would like for there to be a national day in your honor and for every year... (laughs) I love everyone that. to stand outside of your home and sing to you <laughs> that sounds wonderful i mean i not that i think i deserve it i just think it would be nice um i just think a parade day for me involves everybody getting candy and what's not good about that the ada the american dental association has a lot to say on that statement that i just made um but we all like candy do we? Ew. I asked one of my friends the other day, like, which she listens to the podcast. So I know you're listening. Um, but I was like, what's your favorite kind of candy? And she's like, I don't really eat candy. I just eat like dried fruits. And I was like, okay. How healthy of you. you Shout out to you. Person, not your friend. That's not <laughs> she, a friend. Okay. She actually really likes you. So. Oh, I, well, I'm, I'm making a joke. Thank you for your support. Um, oh, well, I mean... Sweetheart, if you could turn... If you could just turn the volume down really quick. You need to drop... You need to drop this person from your life, okay? You don't need that kind of toxicity of someone for whom fruit is a candy. 
You don't need that influence. <laughs> she is a really good liberal. So we might want to keep her. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, eat an M&M. Live your life, okay? Put down the dried strawberry. and <laughs> Because in and reality, live. it's just as much sugar. Is it? No. Um, it's probably like a half of it. No. But, you know. Did you know that there's people that don't eat any sugar, including like natural sugar? Like they don't eat fruit because it has sugar. That's dangerous. Your body does need some sort yeah. of sugar. Like, to live. Right? Yeah. Doesn't I, it? Is that I, wrong? I, I, I don't pretend to know the mysteries of the human form. Okay. I don't either. My body is fueled by mac and cheese. So, I'm not the authority here. Yeah. But we do like a good glass of water. You do. I, oh. I think wa- Okay. I, I think like water, water a lot. I don't. Drinking water makes me feel like... I feel like I'm drinking, like, just magic. Okay, well, why don't you, your little water-loving self, and your new best friend, Fruit Candy, why don't, why don't you go start a podcast with her where you can talk about liking water and fruit? <laughs> and how you never drink soda or eat candy. And I'm going to no, go enjoy life. But I do like Xenia. Okay. I do like soda. I've had because- soda. I had soda yesterday. I had Dr. Pepper. Do you remember the argument that we had during the amusement park episode? We're breaching that territory again. <laughs> because I had Dr. Pepper yesterday? <laughs> no, because because you think water tastes like drinking a cup of magic. It kind of what does. The fuck, dude. It tastes like like it tastes like do you know what it tastes like? To me, water tastes like okay, you know how people say that like LaCroix tastes like um, someone shouted the name of fruit from another room. Yeah. I think water is like that, but with sweat. What? Yeah, to me, water tastes... <laughs> it's not even salty, you <laughs> like creep. I don't... There's something about, like, like, pu- like pure water. I will drink... I, I'm not saying that I won't drink water. I'm not a psychopath. But I am saying that it... It's disgusting. Yeah, we're approaching that territory because I love water. (laughs) I love water. There's different kinds of water. Uh, I love a good tap. On a podcast in which we've discussed politics, mental health, serial killers, art, humanity. What is going to be our undoing is the fact that I think water is disgusting. Yeah, it sounds like the memory, or sounds like someone's shouting about sweat from another room. Meanwhile, I feel like water is drinking, like, literal, just cool, like, magic. Because it's this clear, beautiful liquid. It just feels so, like, I feel so clean. Okay, we get it. You're gay. (laughs) So listen. All this to say. (laughs) I just have a couple things to mention i feel like mine mine is not that good i feel like bios is going to be way more thought out um as per usual i didn't spend as much time with this on i should have i the serial killer one i really like mapped out an entire story i was proud of myself you i was impressed with your effort that sounds like i was impressed with your effort but i didn't like it (laughs) (laughs) i was impressed with your effort like, no, not, I was impressed. Not, I was impressed with your effort. Like, good try. Oh. 
I meant that as a genuine compliment. I thought you did a, a great job researching. I thought that it was a topic about which you were very passionate, and I thought you did a, a great job. And I, Thanks. I, I, I didn't enjoy hearing the story of like you know men being murdered, but I, I, I am appreciative of the journey that I took with you on which, that episode. In reality, here. I'm not a big fan of crime podcasts or like or crime stories in general, um, but I feel like there's so much like uh, uh, like storyline to go with one because it is always like this time and place, this person, like yeah. bang bang boom, climax, arrested or never found. So like it's always like a very easy like storytelling. Div- like it has, I don't know. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, unless you're doing, like, someone like I did last week, like H.H. Holmes, who just is more myth than story (laughs) at this point. But yeah, I do think I it lends itself to storytelling because there's often the true crime cases that we hear about do have a resolution, and... Right, and it's very, like, beginning, middle, and end, and not so, like... There's a lot of information. Ambiguous as, like, our regular topics you know what I mean yeah well if we weren't comfortable with ambiguity we would be prone to believing in conspiracy theories so to which listen I could not go talking about conspiracy theories without talking about my two favorites the last one you'll hear later but the first one of my favorites the Illuminati okay it's big it's grand we've all heard of it most likely. I feel like if you haven't, I don't know where you've been. Um, the Illuminati is always filled with like a lot of dark, demonic imagery these days. Very like mind control of like celebrities and um, uh, definitely like you have the common symbols of like the all seeing eye and triangles and like covering just one eye definitely but like triangles and eyes is a big one um so eye angle not the eye angle um so i got a lot this is like listen direct like quote copy paste from um this article on vox called nine questions about the illuminati you were too afraid to ask now i did not go through all nine questions and i'm not about to read all nine questions to you um but I feel like a lot of people don't know. They just kind of speak about the Illuminati as like this ambiguous thing that like we've heard about it. We know Beyonce's the leader. What else? You know? Um, and they're controlling everybody. But the Illuminati actually was a real thing. Um, in like 1776-ish around there in uh Bavaria, there was a society that only really lasted for about 10-ish years, and it was founded by Adam Weishaupt, um, a German law professor, and he was very into, like, new Enlightenment ideas. Um, Very against, like, it it was very, like, we want you to be, like, free-thinking and um, outside of, like, the norm of what Catholicism and Christianity have like pressures were at the time. Um, 
So he promoted that idea with a lot of quote unquote like elitist people. Um, the ironic thing about this group is that they were very like, we want you to be free thinking and enlightened and whatever, but um, they did have a history of like not let being very um, anti Semit- oh my gosh, anti-Semitic, and only men could join, and you could only be wealthy. So, I feel like this isn't as free-thinking as one would like it to be, um, because that's not very equal. Uh, but as we know, men and wealth run the world. However, um, so there are two sides to what, like, the Illuminati, like, historical Illuminati was, and, like, their, uh, quote-unquote, odd rituals and their ideals. So, the Illuminati did a lot of unusual things. They used uh, symbols like the owl, and they adopted pseudonyms to um, remain secret, and they had complicated hierarchies, which were novice, minervil, and illuminated minervil. I did not know this. Um, And that minervil comes from what would be ancient Greek Athena turned into Roman Minerva. Um, her symbol has always been the owl. So um, that's where they get the term Minerva from. Um, yes, the highest one being illuminated Minerva. Now, what gets you to these ranks? We have no idea. Um, nobody knows. I assume novice is just the beginning. Somehow you get to illuminated, illuminated, illuminated Minerva, I assume probably through some sort of payment. Um, also, they didn't trust anybody over 30 to join their group because 30-year-olds were already, like, too set in their ways. Um, so you have to get the young, impressionable people while the the harvest is ripe. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like the closer I get to 30, the less set in my ways I am. Yes. I'm not even sure what my ways are anymore. <laughs> Especially after this week. Um, I, yeah, so... Um, Nobody really knows what else they really did um, as far as it goes for, like, bizarre rituals. But I think that's where a lot of, like, this satanic imagery comes from. Um, Because in our Christian and Catholic society, anything ambiguous is what? The devil. (laughs) Um, It's a very easy, very easy answer. Um, So they also promoted, like, a worldview and, like, they wanted to create sort of what seemed to be, like, a new world order. Um, Nothing that was really, like, scary, per se, but they just wanted to be people to, like, break away from the church, basically. Well, I mean, a bunch of, like, rich, white, anti-Semite, women-hating people ruling the world. That's, like, nefarious. Yeah, and it doesn't exactly seem new. Um, So, in 1785, about 10 years after they officially had banned, um, the Duke of Bavaria, Carl Theodore, banned all secret societies. And then once he found out that they were still joining up, he um, banned all secret societies again, but specifically mentioning the Illuminati. um, And said that there would be institutionalized, like, punishment for anyone who was in, like, a secret society. Um, That's just going to make them cooler. 
I know. You can't um, persecute this society because they're, no- they're going to freaking love that. So most of the group from then on kind of just disappeared out of history um, until it kind of, I mean, there were still like whispers of it, still mentions of it here and there because it did hold a sort of mystique because it was, it was so secret in their like heyday, but also was, you know, once it was disbanded, it still held that mystery of like, are they still around? Like, but, and because too, like they would infiltrate other secret societies or other places like the Freemasons and whatever. And they would promote from like within and then like bring them out of that society into their own Illuminati society. Illuminati itself, by the way, just means like the enlightened. So yeah, it really made a, at least in America, a really big spike up in the 1970s um, where there was like a trilogy of books that, and Mind you, this is the time, too, that the satanic panic is just about to start. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's very, like, everything popular culture, the church was like, that's of the devil. And, like, you have to stay away from it, and it's evil. And it was also the rise of, like, popular Satanism and the Church of Satan. So, um, this is just about on the cusp of that same time. Um, Nowadays... Nobody believes in the Illuminati. Well, sorry, let me say that again. Nowadays, um, like, majority of people don't think the Illuminati is a real thing. Um, however, there are still small groups who either claim to be in the Illuminati or um, fear the like what the Illuminati is still doing. They think that they are still responsible for a lot of life-changing things, all the way from famous assassinations like JFK and Lincoln to World War One and Two and the moon landing and like we talked about earlier, cloning dead celebrities and being um, first and foremost grandmasters of devil worship. Um, some of my favorite people. Um, except for one, and I'll let you know which one, um, are the most notable figures who apparently are in the now um, Illuminati. So we have, once previously, John Benet Ramsey, Katy Perry. Um, we also have Justin Bieber, Miley Cyrus, someone who I don't like or care for, Madonna, um, <laughs> Britney Spears, Lady Gaga, of course, um, Kanye West, which... Apparently, the Illuminati has, like, different rituals of, like, shaming and, like, you have to shame somebody else or get shamed to be inducted in the, um, in the society. So, a lot of people, um, think that what happened to Taylor Swift at that VMAs and, like, whatever year that was, 2010 or something, um, when Kanye West, like, interrupted her speech and was like, I'm gonna let you finish up Beyonce (laughs) best video of all time. Um, that was both an induction for her and like him finalizing some rank. Um, also Eminem, Rihanna, who Rihanna does have a lot of like one eye covered and triangle things in her early music. And well, she had that haircut, you know, that's well, not her fault. I mean, <laughs> the bangs just fell right. In front the bangs just fell right over the other eye. <laughs> and, um, in the S&M music video, she is in front of, like, 
projected newspaper lines, and one of them says, like, Princess of the Illuminati. Um, LeBron James, Kesha, LeBron which, James. Um, what is that Kesha music video that was very, like, heavy-handed on the symbolism that I really think she was just having, like, a time with conspiracy theorists? Um I mean, a lot of celebrities. Like we're it's it's that song. Like we're gonna die young, Um, die young. Yes. Um, Also, Lil Wayne, and then Jay Z, and we all know Jay Z has that whole like triangle hand motion. um, Like we said, very all seeing eye, and of course, the biggest, the best member of the whole Illuminati, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the stage, Beyonce. Um, Yeah, everyone thinks she is like the top tier of the Illuminati society. Like, she is the queen. And to which she had to say to that, y'all haters corny with that Illuminati mess. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. Look, I'm not saying, I don't think Beyonce's in the Illuminati. But if she was, she would be the queen. Well, of course. Like, let's say all of those people were in the Illuminati. She would be the queen. Yeah. I I mean, it just, she would be. There was even once in 2018, um, one of Beyonce's drummers um, who filed for a restraining order against her, claiming that she was a witch and harassing her and trying to control her life and finances. Um, earlier in... Iconic. I know. Um, earlier in Beyonce's career, though, you might remember, she was very tied to satanic and Illuminati imagery when she came out with her alter ego, Sasha Fierce. Um, she always said that Sasha Fierce, she said in an interview, both in Oprah um, and Tyra Banks, I believe, um, that Sasha Fierce is like, almost like it feels like a spirit that like takes her over and Sasha does and says things that Beyonce feels like she could never do. Um, but Beyonce clarified too, saying like, it's just a character that like, you know, you put on the costume, you put on the makeup, you get out there and you just feel like somebody else. Like you just have that confidence that you don't normally have. And that's who Sasha Fierce is for her. Um, there was also Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj was very tight, which I just want to say, I don't know when this disappeared but i feel like we all remember nick she has a whole album about it um nikki minaj at the beginning of her career had these like quote unquote multiple like personalities there was roman mm-hmm. martha um other people and then they all just kind of disappeared she played into it like really in the beginning and look could she be somebody with did she really could um but people attributed a lot of that to like the Illuminati and that whole satanic thing. Um, so yeah, that's been one of my like favorite ones. Why? I don't know. Like I would just spend times when I was younger watching all these videos of like Illuminati, like mind control, like a clip in an interview and like a celebrity kind of pauses weird or says something a little odd or like there's a glint in their eye and like, that one that was, like, Justin Bieber, everybody was convinced he was a reptile person because there was one, like, thing of his eyes, like, glazing over and, like, blinking as if he had, like, a third eyelid. Something like that. I don't know. I was obsessed with it. Um, so before I mention my other favorite conspiracy theory, which I feel like this this one will also be fun with you to go through, um, 
I wanted to mention a little bit of my other favorites. So we have one that's more serious, um, but still, like, even sometimes I'm like, Um, we all know coronavirus is very rumored to the um, biological warfare and population control. Um, I don't think it is. I do think it's just a virus that took the world quite literally by storm. But sometimes it does make you think, especially when you think about the government. Like me and Bailey, we're on the same page. Like we feel like the government does a lot of nefarious things. And what I put it past them to start killing people, not really. Um, also, we have a big one, flat earthers. Um, I love people, I love the flat earth theory. A lot of people think the earth is flat. Um, more people than you would think. And look, I am 99.9% sure the earth is a globe, okay? But I have it's not been globe. to space. I've not been to space myself, so I can't 100% say it, but I do think it's a globe. Um, okay, I don't want you to get um, freaked out. <laughs> but oh you know God. how there's like a, a there's a, an open door to your closet behind you? Bailey? It looks like there's something in your closet. I'm gonna cry. Um, I'm gonna turn around. Okay. Mm. Okay. I don't see anything there. What are okay. you seeing? It looks like a person. But... Hold is on, it let me my lamp? Turn my brightness up. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's your lamp. It's your lamp. Okay. The moon landing is also another one of my favorites. And this one, which I came across that I had forgotten about, that birds are not real. This conspiracy theory claims that in 2001, all birds were replaced with surveillance drones. Um, it has its own Twitter page with, at the time, this article mentioned 60,000 followers. Um, and verified Instagram with 296,000 followers and a meme-filled subreddit. Um, Most people think it's satire, but nobody really knows exactly what the founder of this theory exactly thinks. Um, I do not think birds are drones. I love birds, and I feel like that is rude. I love Um, it, though. Like, I love... Because it's so easily disproved, right? Because, like, birds, unfortunately, die all the time. So you just pick up a dead bird. Get a bird. Look inside of it. Get a dead bird. Okay, don't get a light. An already dead bird. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I still love it. I, I love that theory. It's fun. Also, do you ever think about how there's just turkeys living in the wild? I do. I mean, I, where else would they live? I don't know. I feel like that's an animal that like should just be on a farm. Like it was created on a farm. But yeah. it's not. They just live in the wild. And they have fun there. But like, where do they live? In the woods, I guess. Where else would they live? This feels very Googleable. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So then we have my biggest and my most favorite conspiracy theory, which even sometimes I'm like, what? Um, the Mandela effect. So the Mandela effect is literally like one of my favorites because even sometimes I too think... No, I thought that was something else. Um, So the Mandela Effect, this comes from um, Healthline.com. And the Mandela Effect got its name when Fiona Broom, a self-identified quote-unquote paranormal consultant, detailed how she remembered former South African President Nelson Mandela dying in the 1980s in prison. Although, he lived until 2013. But she realized um, 
that she wasn't the only one who had thought this, that he had died in the 1980s in prison. Um, a lot of people also had this memory that he did, even though he was still alive. Um, so a common analogy for like why people think um, this or why some doctors believe this is happening is something called confabulation or a form of this. Um, a common analogy for confabulation is honest lying to where somebody creates like a false memory without like without any like negative intent, like they're not trying to lie. Um, instead, they're just attempting to like fill in a gap in their own memory. Um, many like Mandela effects are very close to like the actual thing, but it's like just a little off. Um, this also goes with like the first, the, the eyewitness accounts um, to where both people witness a crime and one person says it was a tall man with a white hat and he was wearing a jean jacket. And the next person says it was a very short woman. She had red hair and maybe she was wearing blue. Um, two very different things. Um, and then there's also the um, just false memories, which is, once again, like, where you don't exactly remember something, so you're just, like, kind of filling in that little gap um, with what your mind is like. I, I mean, I guess, like, sure. So here we have some of my favorites. Now, you can tell me. You look like you're about to fall asleep. Um, wake up! I'm not about to fall asleep. I'm not. My eyes, my contacts are really dry. <laughs> oh. Um, I was like, am I that boring? Um, so, we have both Jif, the peanut butter. A lot of people remember it as Jiffy. J-I-F-F-Y. Even remembering it so far, like, as the label. I've always thought of it as Jif. It's Jif. I think people might be confusing, might be like conflating Jif and Skippy. Yeah, or like Jiffy Lube, maybe. Yeah. Um, now this one got me. How do you think Looney Tunes is spelled? L O O N E Y T U N E Z. Oh, okay. Um, I. It's definitely not that. Um, you you are closer to the original than what well, I remember. I thought of Looney Tunes as Looney T-O-O-N-S. However, it is Looney T-U-N-E-S, like music, not cartoons. Um, the most... Why did I think I had a Z? I don't know. Um, you're on I'm a new a, level. I'm, I'm from a dimension that nobody else is from. Oh, right. That was another important thing, too, is, like, the the belief, besides all that, like, medical explanation, what people most popularly believe about the Mandela effect is that it's very... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, alternate dimensions slash, like, you're living in a simulation, like, to where something was kind of changed and, like your universe yeah there's like a glitch like to where you're from or like where everybody remembers something and there's like a glitch and it changes and now most people are like oh yeah that's what it was like but some people are like i don't remember that at all um one of the most famous ones is the berenstain bears um the berenstain bears is not ever actually called the baron no sorry 
Everyone remembers Hang on, which, which one's the real one? Berenstain. Hang on. No. The real one is Berenstain Bears, but everyone remembers the Berenstain Bears. That's what I just said, and you go, no. Well, I, th- I think I heard it the other way, which is another thing that I think why a lot of these are, like, happenings is because people, like, will hear a saying... And it sounds like something else, and so everybody else says it. No, like, but I remember it sounds like, something like else. reading the books, and I thought they were like Berenstein or Steen. I don't like. I remember reading the books, and I, I remember also remember. I also remember Stein. I do, but it's apparently has been Berenstein. Okay. Um, <laughs> also, uh, curious George, tail or no tail? No tail correct he has no tail but a lot of people do think he has a tail what about that show with carrie bradshaw and um, samantha what's that show Se- called sex in the city sex and the city there you go a lot of people think it is sex in the city when in fact it is sex and no because everyone knows the city. that the final character is new york city <laughs> um so it's and other notable like brands are febreze people think it is spelt with two e's as in like a breeze in the wind but it is just f-e-b-r-e-z-e um oscar meyer everyone kind of puts in their mind to i think it's just because it's not how it's it's it doesn't sound like it's spelled um most people think it is m-e-y-e-r but it's in fact m-a-y-e-r um, this one got me. Skechers, the shoes. Yeah, it's spelled S K E H. I'm sorry, S K E C H E R S. There is no yeah. T. I thought there was a T. I think I knew that it that there wasn't, but I say a T anyway. I always say Skechers. Now this one, I think, is still one of the biggest ones for me. Because it just hit me one day when I was working at Sam's Club and somebody came through with Fruit Loops. I was like, I'm sorry, what does that box say? And I'm like, wait a minute, Fruit Loops? I thought it was spelled F R U I T Loops. No. No. It is F R O O T Loops. Yes, I knew that one. I didn't know. I didn't know. The Monopoly Man, monocle or no monocle? He doesn't have a monocle. He does not have a monocle. That is people, correct. I, but that one I understand because I think people get him confused with the Pringles. With the peanut man. Oh. The peanut man? The peanut man. Planters peanuts. He has a monocle. Pringles okay, so doesn't why... have a monocle. Look at The planters peanut man and the monopoly man look a lot alike. The planters peanut man is a peanut. But he has a mustache and a monocle. And hands and a top hat. Oh, the Pringles man doesn't have a monocle. Why did I think the... I don't know. You're I didn't think weird. The... <laughs> um, <laughs> Pikachu's tail. Tipped yes. black or not tipped black? That one I genuinely don't remember. I, 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 do I, if I have to guess, I would say it is tipped black. I thought it was also tipped black. But it's and not. And that's incorrect. It's yellow. The whole tail. Mm-hmm. Um... Actually, the very base of it is brown, like towards his butt. Um, Kid Cat yeah. hyphen, yes or no? No. Correct. There is no hyphen. Um, a lot of people remember hyphen. This one I still don't think is right. Fruit of the Loom. 
What do you think of when you think of that logo? Fruit. Anything else? Uh, I feel like this is a trick question. Do you remember anything else? Uh, like with specific fruit? Or just like, is there anything else? With specific fruits or anything else inside the logo? Both. In the logo? Mm Mm-hmm. Is there a leaf somewhere in there? There's a leaf. Um, it's just <laughs> what the difference is, is a lot of people remember behind the fruit, a cornucopia. I also remember a cornucopia. There was never a cornucopia behind the fruit. Ugh, man, I don't know. <laughs> man, I don't know. C3PO. He's not yeah. all gold. He has a silver leg. Like a whole leg? Um, Knee down. He has one silver leg. I don't remember that. I don't remember that either. This one. Now, I... I've never got this one wrong. But when I say the word chartreuse, what color do you see? Green. Correct. It is a very yellow-green. But so many people think that chartreuse is like magenta. Yeah. No, I've met people. I've met someone who was like, who pointed to something that was magenta. was like, that's chartreuse. And I was like, hello. I know. I'm like, no, it's not. And they're like, yes, it is. An ugly color. No, it's not. I'm like, uh, not, not, no, it's not to that. Just in the continuation of my, I like, I mean, it's a yellow green. I don't mind a yellow green. Um, Your car is like chartreuse. Um, Um, No, it is not. My car is green. It's literally a very yellow green. Okay, well, women can see more colors than men, and my car is green. It's not a true green. It's yellow green. In it fact, is not- it's called Alien. That's the shade name. No color aliens. Green. Yes, but they're light green, like a lime green. That a lime green is not a yellow green. Have you seen a lime? A lime green is yellow green. Green is like... We need to move on because this is like turning into the water incident all over again. Here we go. Um, Do you see what you've done to us, Fruit Girl? The uh, Evil Queen, Snow White, Disney. Yeah. What's her What's her famous saying? I almost said, I'll get you my pretty and your little dog. <laughs> That's Wizard of Oz. Uh, her famous saying? Yeah. Even, uh, who's the fairest of them all? Yes, what's the beginning of that? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Yeah, she doesn't ever say that. She's never said that. And I've watched I've watched the movie to and I this is what she says. She says magic mirror on the wall. But mm-hmm. like in like still popular culture and even other movies, they've made her say mirror mirror on the wall. But she's never said that. And that one is very weird. Um famous Darth Vader line. What does he say? Luke, I am your father. Except he doesn't. He just says, I am your father. But he's talking to Luke. The but he is talking to Luke. Um, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that is all I have on conspiracy theories. Um, I thought the Illuminati would go deeper. But, you know, the secrets are not pretty to me, I guess. So, uh, but also, like, it's funny because a lot of, like, s- sites and videos that I watched mentioned, um, like, if the Illuminati is a secret society... Why do all their celebrities keep hinting that they're in it? Like, mm-hmm. that's not keeping it a secret. They're hiding in plain sight. Honestly? Well, and that's what people say. They're like, 
Well, yeah, like, if they mock it or, like, they make outright, people are going to be like, oh, well, obviously not. Like, it's just, like, a celebrity stunt thing. That's what they want you to think. They want you to think they would never do that. See, that's what they think. Mm-hmm. All I know is it really wants to make me watch Tomb Raider with Angelina Jolie. I love that movie. Uh, Yes. For my own reasons that are not the same as yours. No, I just thought she was (laughs) real, real cool. Yes. You wanted to fuck her. Right. Still. I mean, look, that movie's CGI effects have definitely went downhill as time went on, but it doesn't make it any less cool. I'm not confident I could tell you a single thing about that movie aside from... (laughs) what Angelina Jolie looked like. So yeah, that's really all I have. What do you think? <laughs> Thoughts? I, think, I don't know. I kind of think, I kind of believe in the Mandela effect. Or like, I like some people think that the Mandela effect happens because of like parallel universes, right? And it's like, there's like moments where the parallel universes intersect. So then like people experience like simultaneous realities, basically. Yeah. And there, there was like the story that I found in my, when I was like, deciding what conspiracy theory I wanted to go into um, about this dude who was um, like what was the name it was this about this guy who was from Tarid a country that doesn't exist have you heard about this no wait is this like a recent thing no it was like the 1950s oh so there's like this guy that shows up in Japan in the 1950s with a passport from a country called Tarid and as he's going through customs they're like um we can't find a country named Tarid (laughs) (laughs) and he's like um it's definitely a country (laughs) I'm definitely from there and um his passport like looked legit and he had like he was working for a company in Japan that like the company was real the the hotel that he had like arrangements at was like real it's, and like everything about him seemed legitimate except he was from this country that doesn't exist and so a lot of people use that as examples of parallel universes and they got out a map and were like point to your country and he pointed to like this uh specific area that was not that was like on the map and was like it was like belonged to a, another country like a quote unquote real country that's um, so weird. And so people, like, think that that's an example of, like, parallel universes intersecting because he was from a universe in which this country existed. And he somehow, yeah. like, hopped into a, a world where it didn't. I um, am doing something that is very relevant to my interests, but probably not relevant to your interests, based on what you've said earlier in this very episode. Um, because it's it is about Madonna, crime. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is a true crime case that's, like, surrounded with conspiracy. Um, I do want to give like a little trigger warning. This does some of the conspiracies surrounding this case do involve um, like child sex abuse and pedophilia. So, so I'm discussing the disappearance of Johnny Gosh. Are you familiar? No, nope. Johnny Gosh. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Gosh. Um, Why did he disappear? Oh, I need to do my would you rather. Ooh, yeah. Um, okay. I, like, all of the, <laughs> sorry, all of the would-you-rathers that I was coming up with were, like, way too dark. It's okay. <laughs> I feel like you're about to be like, would you rather have the last name Gosh or Mudgeon? <laughs> okay, someone that you love disappears, right? Great. Bye, Bailey. Okay. Oh, you love me. Um, no. y- you can either... <laughs> 
knowing how both of these institutions operate, you can either have the help of the media or the help of the police. Ew. (laughs) Which would you rather? Well, okay. Recognizing the privilege that I do have, I, I could be favored in either way. However, I feel like the police are less likely to help a gay person. Yeah. And the media is more likely to help a gay person. Really? You think the tides have turned for us that, that sharply? Between the police and the media, which one do you think is going to be more on your side? Oh, as a, as a queer? The yeah. media. But right. the media also includes Fox News. I'm going to go with the media because it's it goes everywhere and not just my one county. Yes, okay. That that's a, that's fair. Okay. So, first I'm going to tell you about wait, like, what would you what, choose? I don't know. Uh, I mean, <laughs> wait, no, I know. I would definitely pick the media. I would really I would I would do anything before I call the cops. Um okay. So, First, I'm going to tell you about what, what, like, the facts of the case, what happened. Okay, so on September 5th, uh, Sunday, 1982, 12-year-old John David Gosh, goes by Johnny, disappears while delivering newspapers in Des Moines. Um, Johnny was um, very close to his family, which included... Um, his mother, Noreen, and his father, John. So if I say John, I mean his dad. If I say Johnny, I'm talking about Johnny. Okay. Um, Johnny got the the paper route uh, because he wanted a dirt bike, and he did end up making enough money and buying a dirt bike. With his Get it, Johnny. Out. The very industrious 12-year-old. Um, so his typically his dad, John, went with him to deliver the paper every Sunday morning, except on this one Sunday. Ugh. Doesn't that suck? It's always just the one. I know. Doesn't that suck so Yes, hard? the one time. Yeah. So on September 5th, 1982, he did not go. Johnny had taken the family's uh, dachshund weenie dog, Gretchen, with him. Aww. I'm pretty sure Gretchen was fine. I think Gretchen is like was like still around. Um, so that morning after he gets up and gets ready, John goes out to like, kind of like meet up for Johnny with Johnny, like check out, check up on him. Hello. Um, (laughs) uh, but, uh, as he's coming, like going through the neighborhood, he comes across the wed. Mm-hmm. I'm having a real hard time speaking. As he's going through the neighborhood, he comes across the red wagon that Johnny used to transport his papers, and it's abandoned along the paper route, and there's no trace of Johnny. So John goes home and tells Noreen, uh, who reaches out to the police immediately. <clears throat> now, despite only being a few blocks away, from the Gosh home, uh, the police don't arrive until 45 minutes after they're called. Um, the officer who shows up asks Noreen if Johnny has ever run away before, which is pretty upsetting to John and Noreen because they're like, they're like, this clearly isn't a runaway. This is a kidnapping. Like, 
He's very reliable. He's no, he's never run away. He's 12. He does his paper route every Sunday and his wagon is just out in the middle of the uh, sidewalk along his route and he's nowhere to be found. Um, and uh, other paper boys reported because like um, there were like multiple paper boys that covered this like same general area so they would often see each other in passing um so like other paper boys said that they had seen johnny at pickup uh for the papers because they everyone who worked in like that area picked up their papers at the same spot they also said that a man had been in the area asking for directions like stopping to ask for directions with different paper boys a neighbor named Mike uh, reported that he saw Johnny talking to a stocky man in a blue two-toned Ford Fairmont, which is um, a car, with Nebraska license plates. Uh, and Mike said that he didn't know what they were talking about because he just uh, saw from his bedroom window, um, so he couldn't hear them. And then... Um, he said that he saw whenever, like, so the car departs and then he, that he sees Johnny heading, like, back towards the direction of his house and he notices that a man is following him. Um, there is another witness, John Rossi, who saw a man in a blue car talking to Johnny and he says um, that he thought it was something strange, like, there's something strange going on. Oh, let me tell you about my sources because... <laughs> forgot um so my sources were a documentary called who took johnny and then of course good old wikipedia so um this neighbor john rossi he was interviewed in the documentary and he says basically like he saw johnny talking to this guy in the car and johnny called out to him and was like hey can you come help this guy um like help him find where he's going and as john started heading towards the car the car like abruptly made a u-turn and like drove off really quick pretty sketch pretty sus um he says he said that he looked at the license plate but he couldn't remember the plate number and he also has been quoted as saying i keep hoping i'll wake up in the middle of the night and see that number on the license plate as distinctly as night and day but it hasn't happened just so sad um he did end up go uh like just as like a sidebar he did end up undergoing hypnosis and was able to tell the police some of the numbers on the plate um and he says the plate was from iowa so we've got like a few different like sightings that like kind of coincide but basically like the general consensus there is some dude in a blue car like out of state sketchy without of state plates um, another witness said that Johnny had told him, uh, had like said that Johnny had said there was something off about the man that was asking him for directions and that he was afraid of him. Um, because like as Johnny's delivering his paper, like he runs into other paperboys, he runs into neighbors. So we have like a few people that saw him that morning. Right. Um, but okay. at the, but no one saw the abduction. So, and then at the end of the day, there was no like solid evidence and the trail quickly went cold and this was not helped by the fact that the police assumed for quite some time that johnny had run away but don't you think of like a young boy like that ran away there'd be like more of like a chance to catch him you know what i mean also like he would have taken his her personal things with him like and like left his cart at home like you think he wouldn't take his bike that he like had worked all this 
time to like save up money and buy you think he just like leave it right or like hit his like wagon behind a house or something i'll just like left yeah. it there he just like bail he just like runs away from his paper <laughs> like literally runs away on foot leaving just like bails that's so weird come to um, the police so johnny's disappearance actually ended up and we'll talk a little bit more about this but it did garner national attention in the media and it contributed to the to like a pretty significant change in the way that parents raise their children um because like i said this happened in the early 80s um so by the end of the 80s there had been this shift into like being aware of stranger danger and um less like hey come home when it's dark out um like a lot more attentive parenting um and a lot more awareness of like dangerous things um he was the second ever milk carton kid so in case anyone doesn't know, they used to put missing children on the Oh, cartons. wow. hmm And before Johnny's case and some other cases similar to his, many parents didn't even know what the word pedophile meant. What? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people didn't even know what a pedophile was. That's crazy. So his case and the conspiracy theories surrounding it, like, brought a lot of attention to that. Um. Yeah, which is wild. Which I'm surprised because, like, in the 60s or, like, around that time, like, that decade, it was, like, that film of, like, keeping your kids away from, like, or showing your kids, like, keeping away from, like, homosexual men because they were, like, predators. Right, but they, there wasn't this, I mean, there was always, like, propaganda against, like, gay people and stuff, but there wasn't this, like, general cultural awareness of that, like, people, some disgusting people want to fuck kids right that's um, wild to me it was just something that like yeah like some people had never like many parents had never heard that word before and there are like multiple parents in the documentary who discuss like n- not really knowing um so now i'm going to go into some of the contributing factors that made this case like a perfect case for conspiracy theories um, so the bulk of the theories actually stem from Johnny's mother, Noreen. And it's pretty unfortunate. She's garnered this, like, local reputation as, like, a crackpot. Not my words, but the words of someone that was interviewing the documentary. Um, and this reputation was also encouraged by the police, um, some of whom actually asked to be relieved from the case due to Noreen's persistent pestering because they wouldn't do their jobs um so she bothered them a lot so the they the police went as far as to even be overtly antagonistic towards the gosh family in the press one uh one police officer stated to the press quote i don't give a damn what noreen gosh has to say end quote in a paper um so in addition to this there were there was actually like the law at the time this is going to blow your freaking mind, dude. The law at the time required a child to be missing for 72 hours before the police would officially record and investigate that child as a missing person. 72? Before they would even start looking for the child, they had to be gone for 72 for hours. three whole entire days. Yes. What? Which- um, other people who are into true crime will know that if a case, if there are no leads generated within the first 48 hours of a criminal case, um, 
the likelihood of that case ever being solved is cut in half. And after the first 24 hours of a child abduction, their likelihood of survival is drastically reduced. I don't know so, why we don't just go after 24 hours. So laws like this, I mean, they need to go right away with children. So laws right. like this basically like were death sentences for abducted children. Ugh. Um, well, yeah. 72 so, hours. Again, because they waited 72 hours before they would even like start to investigate. There was obviously no forensic evidence collected. There was nothing like collected from the scene on the day. There was not, like virtually no evidence. After Johnny had been missing for quite a while, the Goshes asked the police when the FBI was going to be called in. Um, because, like, we do have witnesses that say, like, you know, we saw someone in a car talking to Johnny. The car had out-of-state license plates, so it's, like, possible that this kid was taken across state lines. So they're, the Goshes are like, okay, when's the FBI going to come? And the police told them that they didn't have a crime, so that the FBI would not be getting involved anytime soon. But it turns out, like, the FBI probably wouldn't have done much better because in the documentary, it's noted um, one of the interviewees in the documentary says, quote, the FBI would track your stolen car across state lines, but not your stolen child, end quote. Ugh. This is just, like, the 80s, dude. Yeah. Um, so, uh, additionally... Eventually, the chief of police, uh, so the, the man that was serving as the chief of police at the time of Johnny's disappearance, would eventually be forced to resign when various indiscretions came to light, including uh, performing police work after drinking, fixing tickets for friends and family, and acts of racial prejudice. So basically, the police were, like, more than fucking useless. They were, like, a hindrance. Um, so this lack of evidence... Uh, Obvious and the lack of help from the police obviously like made the goshes very desperate. Um, and so they would turn to unconventional methods to help find their son, like psychics. Um, and they also like went to the media. And so when you go to the media, like obviously there is a lot of benefit to gaining public attention for a case, but also that does open the door for conspiracy theories. Um, especially when you have like a like cagey police department that's like refusing to look into this um the fbi is not looking into it the uh police is like full of corruption like this case was the perfect breeding ground for conspiracy theories yeah 100 percent. especially um, when nobody's looking into it. yes also and psychics episode 13 <laughs> yeah check it out um additionally there, that's my favorite word of the episode. Additionally, um, so what and also, Garner? What also stoked the fire the of of conspiracy was that there were two similar disappearances that followed Johnny's. So Johnny disappeared in 1982. Um, in 1984, there was another disappearance. Um, Eugene Martin, who was another paper boy in Des Moines, um, disappeared under similar circumstances while on his paper route. Um, and then uh, two years after that, in 1986, 13-year-old Mark James Warren Allen 
was told his mother that he was going to go walk to a friend's house and he never arrived and has never been seen since. <gasps> That's awful. So these are all kids that are boys that are around the same age, disappear in the same air, like general area under similar circumstances. Serial killer. <laughs> well. Episode 15. <laughs> um, okay. So now we're going to get into the conspiracy. Okay. Okay. So in 1985, three years after the disappearance, Johnny's parents get a call from a woman who says that she has been given a dollar bill, like, as change. And on the dollar bill, the words, I am alive, are scrawled. And it's (sighs) signed by Johnny Gosh. What? (laughs) Yes. The signature would go on to be, quote, unquote, authenticated by three different handwriting experts. And... Uh, that's the end of that thread. Uh. Um, now, it is important to note that, like, handwriting analysis is not considered to be, like, a legitimate science. Think of it kind of like polygraphs. Like, some people mm. do believe that, like, it's it can be correct, um, but it's not, like, handwriting analysis alone would not hold up in court if it were the only evidence. Right, it's not foolproof. So, in 1991... So this is when we get to like the the big the big conspiracy theory. The big like chunk. So in 1991, a 24-year-old inmate uh named Paul Okay, so some people call him Paul Benassi and some say Paul Benacci. I'm going to say Benacci cuz I think that's what it is. Um but he comes on the scene. So He is a convicted sex offender who's also diagnosed with DID, formerly known as multiple personality disorder. And he has his own history of sexual abuse. He claimed that he had been abducted into a child sex ring centered in Omaha, Nebraska, which is two hours away from Des Moines. And that he was forced to take part in the abduction of Johnny Gosh. He said that he chloroformed Johnny during the abduction. So Noreen, Johnny's mother, actually went to meet with Bonacci and conducted a videotaped conversation with him. And she yeah. said that she, she says that she finds him credible. She believes him. So hmm. these are the reasons why she believes him. He did not receive any deal or reduced jail time for his confession. So to her, he has no clear incentive to lie. He also drew what he claimed to be a replica of the map that the kidnappers had drawn while planning the abduction. And on this map, he marked exactly where the abduction had taken place. Also, his account of what happened post-abduction was very detailed. He accurately described a scar on Johnny's tongue and another on his leg and a birthmark on Johnny's chest. He also said that Johnny stammered when he was upset and all of this was true. He also said that which this will come back later. He said that Johnny had been photographed, bound, and gagged. My goodness. So, what then does not help the conspiracy theories that Johnny is now... The big conspiracy theory is that Johnny is abducted into this child sex ring. It doesn't help that upon reviewing the tape of the conversation between Noreen and Paul Bonacci, the police do not feel that Bonacci provided any information that would necessitate a formal police interview, and they never speak to Paul Bonacci. 
Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. None of that seems credible to me. Right. Or at and least worth looking into. Yes, like, and like a lot of people in documentaries say, like, you know, I, like they wouldn't have necessarily believed that there was like some big cover up conspiracy, but like, why not go talk to him? Like, it's not going to do any harm. Right. So, why won't they please? Even if he isn't the most credible witness, why not go speak to him? Right. It's just a little weird. Um, so, the police do, however, go speak to Paul Bonacci's siblings. And then, according to them, the police or the siblings said that he was in his hometown of Omaha when Johnny Gosh went missing. However, like I said before, Des Moines is only a two-hour drive away. So, But the police, I guess, were like, well, that's good enough for us. If you say he was here, and this is several years after the abduction, too. So it's like, if you say he was here several years ago on this particular day, like, nothing to see here, folks. Um, Okay, so after Bonacci's allegations went public, he started receiving letters in jail. And these letters were from people that claimed to be members of the same sex ring that Bonacci was a member of and says that Johnny was a member of. And these, in these letters, people actually reported on Johnny's physical state and his whereabouts. That's and like some, like, some people like claimed to see him. Okay, so in 1992, the year after the Bonacci act, um, allegations like come out. America's Most Wanted did a profile on Johnny Gosh, and it fe- did a feature on the allegations that were made by Paul Bonacci. Um, so Bonacci said in his profile that some children that were part of the sex ring were branded. And after the episode aired, boys who claimed to be a part of that sex ring started reaching out and calling America's Most Wanted. And one boy that came forward did, in fact, have the brand that Paul Bonacci described. Hmm. So wild, right? Um, okay. So Bonacci also told America's Most Wanted about this particular house where the children were kept, and he said in this house there was a bunker where the children would be hidden if the police ever came by or like someone came snooping around. And then they were like, "So America's Most Wanted is like, okay, show us," and he does. He takes them to the house, and the house is real. It's an abandoned house, and the owner had been a prison guard who disappeared. <sighs> and in that house is an underground bunker. And in that bunker, there are initials carved into the wood, like a bunch of different initials. Is there that, a JG? I don't know. But people do, in the letters that they like write in, do called Johnny JG. Hmm. Um, okay. So it gets even weirder. So, um, as he gets like more like famous, basically. So Bonacci actually like comes forward and he accuses Republican party activist and businessman Lawrence E. King Jr., um, who served as the director of the Franklin, Franklin Credit Union in Omaha of running an underage prostitution ring and victimizing Bonacci since, like, age six. Um, so he's like, this is the guy in charge, this, like, Republican Party activist and the director of the Franklin Credit Union. In 1990, a grand jury declined to charge him 
saying that um, Paul Bonacci's allegations were a, ho- a, a quote, a carefully crafted hoax, end quote. And they went a step further and charged Paul Bonacci with perjury. Which, like, the people that are, like, Johnny Gosh truthers, like, were totally galvanized by this, right? Because they're like, why are they trying to cover it up? Why is this guy right. being for telling the truth? So it's not helping. Um, so we're going to pause on that thread. Okay. On Paul Bonacci specifically. Okay, so that is in 1990. In 1997, Noreen Gosh says that she was asleep, and at 2.30 a.m., she's awakened by a knock on her apartment door. She opens it, and standing there is Johnny Gosh, (gasps) who is now 27 years old and is um, there with an unidentified man that he doesn't tell Noreen who he is. Noreen doesn't know who he is. Noreen says that she immediately recognized Johnny and that it is him. And she's convinced to this day that this was him. And he opened a, to like prove that it was him. He opened a shirt to show her the birthmark. Um, she said, quote, we talked about an hour at, uh, or an hour and a half. He was with another man. I have no idea who this person was. Johnny would look over to the other person for approval to speak. He didn't say where he is living or where he was going. End quote. So. That's worrisome as a mother. Yeah. Or anybody. So, again, that makes people believe that there's, like, this conspiracy that Johnny was part of this sex ring. Because, like, why is he with this strange man? Why is he looking at him for, like, permission um, like he's still alive, so like clearly he was being kept alive for some reason. Um, so then two years after that, February in February of 1999, the U.S. District Court um, of Nebraska awards Paul Bonacci 100 million dollars in compensatory damages and punitive damage damages. In a lawsuit that he made against King, that Republican Party activist. So even though the criminal case was dropped, or it was, they declined to even pursue it, right? So when, um, okay. So whenever you press criminal charges against someone, you can see, like, they, it, they, you can go through like a criminal trial. But if someone harms you, you can also pursue a civil trial. In which you seek money. So it's like if you're not gonna, if I'm not gonna be compensated with like justice, if they're not gonna go to jail or like whatever, then you can you can sue them civilly and say like you need to pay me money because I I was harmed by you. That's like what punitive damages are, because uh, you did something wrong and you harmed me. So Bonacci is like, okay, well if the court if I can't like um, if a criminal suit is going to be filed, I'll take him to civil court, and he wins a million dollars because King never responds to the lawsuit. It's like he just like does show up. He basically just like forfeits. <laughs> oh, um, and so the because he never responded to the lawsuit, a default judgment was made against him in favor of Bonacci, who gets a million dollars, and King could have appealed. The charges, but he never did. Or could have appealed the the decision of the civil suit, but he never did. He just... Right. I'm like, why didn't he? Because he was running a sex ring? Right? 
goes all the way to the top. Um, so on September 1st, uh, 2006, so this is seven years after uh, the U.S. District Court awards Paul Bonacci a million dollars in that civil suit. So, and this is like a very long time after, years and years since Johnny went missing. So Noreen says that uh, there are these photographs left at her front door. Um, and she she has a website, uh, or she, I don't know if it's still active, but she had a website dedicated to like finding Johnny. And she posted some of these photographs on her website. So like these photographs do exist. That's real. We know that for sure. Um, one photo shows three boys bound and gagged. Now, if you remember, Bonacci... Paul Bonacci said there were photographs... Of Johnny being bound and gagged. Um, There's also a black and white photo, and she says that that photo shows 12-year-old Johnny with his mouth gagged, his hands and feet tied, and a brand on his shoulder. Remember, Paul Bonacci said that some of those boys were branded, and then one of the boys that came forward... To America's Most Wanted had a brand. This is crazy. I know. A third photo, uh, so the last photo shows a man who, like, looks like he might be dead and he might have something tied around his neck. Um, so Noreen says that that man was one of the people, she's convinced that that man was one of the people who, like, molested her son. Um, she said, she also says that the first two photographs of the the one of the three bound boys and the one of who she believes is Johnny originated on a child pornography website. Hmm. Okay. Then on September... So that was September 1st, 2006. On September 13th, an anonymous letter is mailed to the Des Moines police. It says, quote, Gentlemen, someone has played a reprehensible joke on a grieving mother. The photo in question is not one of her son, but of three boys in Tampa, Florida. Uh, from about 1979 to 1980, challenging each other to an escape contest. There was an investigation concerning that picture made by the Hillsborough County, Florida Sheriff's Office. No charges were filed and no wrongdoings were established. The lead detective on the case was named Zalva. The allegation should be easy enough to check out. End quote. So, Nelson Zalva, who worked for the Hillsborough County, Florida Sheriff's Office in the 1970s, said that, like, confirmed that letter, said it was true, that he investigated that picture, and it was, like, these boys having, like, basically, like, a contest to see who could be, like, Houdini, like, doing, like, a magician's escape. Okay. And that he also investigated that black and white photo, the one that Uh Noreen says is Johnny, and that, um... That photo uh, materialized in 1978 or 1979, which was years before Johnny disappeared in 1982. He said that he interviewed the kids and they said there was no coercion or touching and he could never prove a crime. Um, and then he, at, so then he was asked for proof that this was the same photo, like that this was the same photo from that investigation, but um, he couldn't provide any. The brand, though. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, according to Who Took Johnny, the documentary, um, that boy in the black and white photo was never identified by law enforcement, but the three other boys were. Mm. And Noreen still firmly believes that the picture 
is of her son. Um, so basically, like, the police have never really done anything. Um, they've, he's still marked as a missing person. Um, the case is cold. It doesn't seem like they're actively working on it or that they ever did, to be honest. I know at one point the FBI did get involved. Um, they made a composite sketch of what Noreen said that Johnny looked like when he came to visit her when he was 27. But there's been, like, no traction on the case. That's... And it remains unsolved to this day. And to this day, many people believe that there is, like, this big conspiracy that involves a cover-up that may go all the way to the FBI involving a child prostitution ring. I mean... Am I surprised by that notion? No. Like, pedophilia is a dark, real thing, you know what I mean? So, like... Yeah. I I don't think it's real. I feel I, like there's some truth to it. I think that Paul Bonacci was definitely sexually abused. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's possible that he might have been involved in a, in a ring like that. You have to keep in mind, too, this case is highly, highly publicized. To the yeah. point that it, like, contributed to the changing, like, the foundational ways that people parented. So a lot of the information that Paul knew, he could have learned from the media or from rumor. Like, with just word of mouth. It was a bit... Johnny was a cute white 12 year old boy so and Noreen, Noreen took every interview every everything that she could she was right. so a lot of information was out there I also think that Noreen was very desperate to find her son yeah I so think like she, grasping at anything that presented yeah. itself as the solution I mean yeah. How can you blame her, you know? No, no. And I mean, it's not... She did do some positive um, things. So, like, there was actually a law signed um, into effect not, like, within the first few years. I can't remember the exact date after Johnny disappeared. That changed that law that said that the police had to wait 72 hours to start looking for a missing child and changed it to that they can they should start looking immediately. Hmm. Um, so, and that, like, Noreen was the the primary, like, person who, who did that, who advocated for that. Well, that's She's really good, but it's just work. sad at, like, the cost, you know? Yeah. No, it's, like, it's never, no, whatever, like, net good, or, like, not even net good, whatever good at all comes from any tragedy like this is not worth the life of a child. It's never going to be good enough to be worth that. Um, Johnny wasn't a martyr. He was a kid. He was a kid who got stolen from his life and his family. I think that he was probably killed not long after he was abducted. So you don't think that 27-year-old was real? No. I, I don't know if someone did visit her who was playing a very sick joke. If 
I don't know if Noreen was desperate to bring the conversation back into the public eye and had like very valid reasons, obviously, for doing that. Yeah. I don't know if, if like Noreen maybe lost her grip on reality a little bit, which like I probably would. <laughs> yeah, and just that, like, like the whole thing was just an imaginative episode. <laughs> like, who knows? That's so sad. I know, but I just thought it was so crazy. And I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised like all the recent um, like conspiracies about child like sex slavery, which does exist. Like, I'm not saying that it, it doesn't does, exist. But it definitely like picked back up in like the midst of 2020. Like, And what I don't like is that I do feel like certain groups, they... Um, are doing much more net harm than good because they are fabricating instances of yeah. child sex slavery. And I think that's really damaging and dangerous. And um, also people use it as like a justification to deprive sex workers of equal treatment and rights um, and stuff like that. Uh, and so I think... It is real. I think it happens. I don't think it happened in this case. Right. Or, like, we, we, we know it's real. We know what happens. Like, yeah. But I don't think it's what happened to Johnny. I think killed it's... shortly after. I don't know. Statistically, I mean, that is what happens. Like, I think he could have been in some sort of, like, pedophilic situation, but he probably was just killed. I mean, usually that's what happens. Yeah. It's so sad. I know. But I just thought it was really... I just thought it was really interesting, and I'm surprised that this case hasn't come up more with this, like, resurgence. Of- well, and that it lasted, like, all this, like, in-between and pickup <coughs> and, like, of a span of, like, almost 40 years. Right. And so Noreen actually says, like, in the documentary that she's she doesn't know if Johnny's still alive, but she believes that, he, that that was Johnny that came to visit her. Hmm. And, like, not his spirit or anything. Like, it was alive Johnny. And she said that um, she thinks that he doesn't, you know, if he's still alive, he doesn't. If he's since passed, he didn't want to come forward because he didn't want to be scrutinized by the public and have, like, the whole world know, you know, these, like, traumatic things that happened to him and then want to, like, pry and know more and pressure him and put him under a microscope she thinks like he did not want that and so she says like i have to respect those wishes yeah so that's like that's why she said like she didn't like you know hold him there um until like because i feel like if that were which like i don't have a kid so i don't know but i feel like if that were my kid and he had been missing from me and he showed up again, I would I would shoot him in the leg if I had to. I would do whatever it took to keep that kid in my house. Right. Until I could, like, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> like, at this point, you could DNA test for that kid. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I would not let him out of my sight. Um, and she was basically like, well, he didn't want, he didn't want to stay. He didn't want to be scrutinized he didn't want to come back because he did wasn't ready to face like the public pressure that would inevitably follow so i had to respect that so 
I'd be like, oh, come here, let me give you one last hug, and I'd rip out a chunk of hair. And then go to have a DNA testing. Yeah. I would, I would do, I but would But also, she's do, probably scared of this other unnamed man. I'd shoot that man in the leg, too. Have, <laughs> have them both DNA tested. Maybe they're both her son. <laughs> but, you know, I do, it, like, regardless of what happened, it is a tragedy, and, like, it is Fuck and the police. Oh yeah, a cab. You know what I mean, um, and like this is just another example of like the horrific failure of the justice right, system of America. System that we yeah. have, yeah. Um, and like you know, Johnny deserves his family deserves answers, and Noreen feels like to an extent she has them, and I guess like part of that is comforting, but I. I think, again, we are particularly vulnerable to believing things that are not true when we... Are in a vulnerable state. And when we want, when we need to know what happened. Because it, as horrible as this is, as this, like, conspiracy is, that, you know, Johnny was abducted into this sex ring that was, like, you know, that this, like, big Republican... And I do think politicians are involved in, like, pedophilia for sure. Yeah. Um, I definitely don't like, I'm not like a QAnon person by any means, but like, I do think a lot of, I do think that there are people in power. I mean, we even know, we know of like celebrities for that have, yeah, uh, that are disgusting, evil, horrible, vile piece of shit people. Um, so, but I think there must be some part that as horrific as like this reality that Noreen chooses to believe in as horrific as it is there must be some part that is comforting about knowing yeah what's not what's not comforting is this storm on my side while listening to this story (laughs) you know I wish Johnny was out there and I wish she was okay and I wish she came home and I wish she was safe um but I don't know I don't want it to end so sad I know. Well, when you talk about potential murder, once again, this is what happens. I know. <laughs> this happens with serial killers and conspiracy theories. Um, but yeah, definitely listen. We also have a, an email we've mentioned before. H- what is it? HMISpod Pod at Gmail. At We'd love to know some conspiracy theories that you believe in. Oh, please. And please, please, please. Um, because there are so many out there and like, I want to know about it. I want to hear more about it. I want to hear more about like, what else you've listened to? What's your favorite episode? Like, what did you not like? <laughs> um, you know, like, we want to hear from you if you're yes, listening. And um, tell me what celebrity you think is fake. <laughs> What celebrity they think is fake? Like what? Yeah, what celebrity do you think has been replaced with a uh, clone? Oh, I want to know. Sometimes I think Michael Jackson is still alive. Really? Sometimes. We want to hear from you. Yes, please email us. Email us your weird stories, your conspiracy theories, anything even tangentially related to anything we've talked about. Are you ready for this? Because we want to hear why you think that it's a scary world out there. (laughs) It is, so hold on to the people you love. Bye! Bye!